Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who inexplicably has got his oil out again. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I'm not getting it. What, what's the reference that I'm not getting there? This... Adama. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. I'm You're greasing up. For Adama again. Yeah. 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 Yeah, is it, oh, we got him in the running order. Should we talk about him now? No, we got a lot of him in the running order okay, for later. Right. Yeah, Ooh, bigger Dharma chat. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's start off with this one. This is from Anti Locos. Has Wendy learned his lesson about karma, or are we going to have to deal with him tempting fate again by talking about how easy the upcoming match will be? Yeah. So I, I, um, I thought we would absolutely batter Watford. <laughs> I said five nil. They um, they they've they've conceded two goals on average per game. Uh, I was not expecting Watford to go full deep block. What was I thinking? It's Randieri. He's Italian. He probably knows Conte really well. Like it was in hindsight, it was entirely predictable. And yet, I just got ahead of myself. Uh, Bardi team selection came out, and basically, it was exactly what we've come to expect under Conte. That meant that we were back in the 3-4-3 shape. Um, Lucas playing again, of course. What do you think of that? We we sort of slightly disappointed at the, the Hoybier skip midfield? Uh, no, not really. They've been doing okay. I know Nathan's been going after me on Twitter with, with his Schoeberg <laughs> tweets. I woke up I've been trying to like take a break from from social media over the last few days, apart from when Spurs are playing. So I woke up to um, quite a few likes and stuff. But Joeberg's been playing okay, and I, I I'm not against the skip Joeberg um, double act. I think I think it can be improved, and we probably should improve on it. But for now, it's it's fine. I think it gives me a little bit more sense of of balance than skip and winks or winks and Joeberg. Okay. Um, so we made hard work of this game. We really did, but we did get there in the end. And I think, um, over the course of the match, we created roughly two expected goals. They were quite bitty chances when it was more of an accumulation, uh, the number of chances rather than the, the high quality of them. Did you find it painful to watch Bardi? I mean, I think this is a, a unique game because we're not going to come up against many teams that play like that. I mean, yeah, back six. It, it was it was a proper parking of the bus. They, I know there's low block, but this was this was ridiculous. They they had camped out in front of their area, and that's fair enough. That's it's their prerogative. They can choose. They could choose to do that. They they're on a terrible run, yeah. and I guess they saw it as a way that they could kind of stodge it up and try and grab a nil nil. And you never know in the last fifteen minutes, grab something on the counter attack. So they're allowed to play like that. I think what we mm-hmm. need to do is become smarter at playing against teams like that but it, this is this is not a situation that we're going to see repeated in the next month for sure considering who we've got or mm-hmm. going forward really there's not many teams that will play like that in the future so the most important thing was was winning the game which we've done and move on especially in the christmas period where there's 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 no let up you need three points and it, it was a it was it was a good win in that sense mm-hmm. uh, nathan i've not seen a back six like that since Mourinho set us up against <laughs> oh, man nice. city yeah, yeah, pretty. Well, yeah, it kind of had similar vibes, didn't it? Except I think even like then we we offered more the other way. Watford would just, I mean, Ranieri's won the league, right? So it's hard to be like he's no super critical. But it's like, what's the fucking point if you're a Watford fan? Yeah, like, where's the joy? Whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, I guess it wasn't totally shocking. Um, so they did. They so Watford Ranieri, uh, you know, serial winner that he is, um, doubled up on Regulon and left Royale free. Mm-hmm. Um, you like that? <laughs> <laughs> properly having a dig at Ranieri. Yeah. He's, a, he's an okay man. He's not a bad manager. Yeah, he's, he's not fine. great, he's but fine. he's a fine. He's a not a fine as in. Great, he's overachieved. I'd say he's overachieved. He's a, he's an average manager who does okay where he goes. Mm-hmm. He doubled up on Regulon and left Royale free. So obviously he's been you know he's been watching the tape or oh, he's had his mm. team you know prepared. Mm. This is how they attack. This is how they attack low blocks, especially. Looked at how the Southampton game ended. That kind of stuff. 
And so they've they've clearly <clears throat> set a plan to invite the past Emerson Royale and and gamble so that they can hold out um for like ninety minutes of his crossing, basically. Uh which um I mean didn't work in the end, I guess, but um it certainly sort of shows that it's it's difficult for us. I mean, like we put up two expected goals, like it was kind of it's one it's one where it's you know it's going to go either way it's it's mm. it's going to be a close one either way sort of thing so mm-hmm. uh, I oh do you sorry you asked Buddy about the lineup I I was kind of hoping because of how Watford's up in this game and how that was kind of predictable but also the 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 run of different teams we've seen recently I was hoping to see some a slightly slightly bolder selection for this game and and then the the game itself made that a little more frustrating but again we we continue to win. Um, that's all that really matters, isn't it? You know. So let's let's dig into the Emerson Real conundrum. Uh, I've got some views. I'm sure you guys have too. So this is from um, Nobody Beats Sub Zero on Reddit, who said, "Do you believe Real has room to develop his final third, or has he hit his plateau?" And similarly, James Hopkins said, "Was the 25 million for Emerson Real?" A big expensive mistake. It feels like a classic Levy purchase, dazzled by an apparent bargain from hard up Barcelona. Whisper it, but Tommy Asu looks really good. <laughs> I mean, they're very um, different players, aren't they? For a start, yeah. I mean, they, Tommy Asu wouldn't be playing right wing back for us. No, Tommy Asu is good. He would he he would be a good right centre back, mm. but that isn't especially. I mean, Romero is obviously our first choice right centre back, and Davinson's doing all right. It wouldn't have been worth spending that money to get Tommy Asu. I don't think to be back up. Mm. I don't think so. No. Um, and, and although, although solve, maybe like, he could have played left centre back as well because he's equally comfortable playing yeah. on the left, and that would have been. We useful. should buy. We should buy Tommy Asu. We should send a derisory <laughs> offer to Arsenal for Tommy Asu. It's a good point. Uh, okay. Anyway, so the the Reddit question came because I, I was speaking. On Reddit about Emerson, who's I say like he's a good player, he's a good rounded player, he's strong defensively, he's good um, in his sort of pose- uh, contributions towards possession in, in build up and deeper areas. He's reasonably technical, he's reasonably athletic. What he lacks is like is brilliance in the final third, and you have to contextualize that and understand that like there's not that many, there's quite a few, but there's not that many like wing backs in the world who you can rely on to provide a constant stream of dangerous attacks against against a settled um a parked bus for for you know however many he had what maybe 15 opportunities to cross took maybe 10 of them um and maybe found players on two or three occasions right he had a difficult time um but he's a really good player. He's a good player to have in the squads. I think that 25 million was was pretty good for him. At the same time, I also think that we go into the January window, we look for a wing back who has that um, that sort of outlying attacking brilliance. And I think that because Royale is there and is safe, you can look towards players like um, like Serginio Dest who is at Barcelona at the moment, they want to offload him, who is really strong in an attacking sense, and maybe there are questions defensively, and you can say, well, we'll bring Dest in, and Conte will coach him, and we'll try to improve and round out his defensive game, but if that doesn't work, Royale is still there to remain first choice. Maybe that's an option. Um, Do I think Royale has room to develop his final third? So... If you ask this question to Harry Brooks, I bet he'll say, yes, I would do this and this and this. He'd immediately have a list, and I wonder what those things might be. Um, and I completely respect Harry's sort of confidence on this, on how he would go about doing that and how other clubs could go about doing that. My perspective is more the case that, like, when you have a player who is... Is he 23 now? I think he's still 22. Still 22. When you have a player who's 22... There's a little bit of room for technical upside, and there's there's also room for like the specifics of coaching. Like here is where I want you. Here are the two places I want you to cross. Here are the two places we're going to uh, attack the space from. So there is some room for upside, but like I don't really see him really making like a big leap and a bound to the level where he's going to put in the consistent threat that I think that Regulon can on the left hand side. So yes, he can improve, but I don't think that we should count on that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point in response to that would be, it's kind of what you've already said, you could you could sign another player who's got better attacking output, but the likelihood is they wouldn't be as good on the transition as Emerson Real, and they probably wouldn't be as good defensively as Emerson Real. So you're making a compromise somewhere along the line, and then it comes down to, well, what strengths do you want to prioritise in, in which games? And frankly, it would be good to have options. It would be nice to be able to have another right 
wing back who we can rely upon and who can do slightly different things like we have with Sessegnon on the left when he's fit and available. And I don't think Matt Doherty is offering that at the moment. I, I, I don't know if he ever will. I'm not completely ruling it out because I've seen what Conte's done with, with wing backs before. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Doherty were to leave in January and we were to get another right wing back in. And I agree with Nathan. I think it would be someone who's a bit more attacking and um, either can take on a man, which I think is a, a clear weakness of Emerson's, or can put in a, a cross on the run or from a standing start. And that would be really helpful as well. That's not to say I think his crossing is terrible. I, I just think it's average. And crossing is a really inefficient means to scoring a goal, as we've, we've spoken about many times before. Um, and in this game, it was even more inefficient because Watford, as we've said, had a back six. They they tucked their, you know, Ken Semmer, the, the, the Swedish winger, was playing as an auxiliary fullback. So they were packing their box out with five or six players each time we were swinging across in towards Kane, Son and maybe one other. So um, I spoke to Jack Pitbrook on Twitter about this, that like... Um... He Royale did put in a really good cross at the end of the match that Kane turned into a, a shot directly at the keeper. Um, but that was once we were 1-0 up. And that came because Watford had to start to push up a little higher mm-hmm. and keep a higher defensive line and and try to get some attacks out at the end of the match. And so when that cross came in, there was Watford. No one was in the box, right? As the ball was about to leave Royale's foot, it was it was five players rushing into the box. You know, the the Watford defenders and Kane, and there was space to put the cross into and space for Kane to run onto. So again, it's not like Royale's a bad crosser. Like that's mm-hmm. still a difficult thing to play, and he's played it well with his one opportunity there. But yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before: is that like there's there's a small number of of players who are like competent wing backs and can <laughs> can sort of turn a whole bunch of players standing around in a box together <clears throat> into a dangerous chance because it's hard without that momentum yeah. on the runners. Yeah. They've got to generate that on the fly. Yeah, I mean, I think we're just so used to watching Trent Alexander-Arnold now and everyone just That's assumes that that level is is doable for others. And, you know, he is he's basically a one-off. He's insane yeah. with his crossing ability. It's, it's so unusual. Um, one thing I would say is, and this isn't to criticise Davinson Sanchez because I thought he had a really good game, uh, but again, if you have a right centre back who's a bit more competent on the ball, then you're able to in a game where there's no there's no striker to defend against because Watford are camped. A bit more sort of invention from that position in supporting Emerson Royale could be really handy, and I think Romero would offer that for sure. Everyone's really happy for Davinson Sanchez right now, and he's had such a hard time and got so much criticism over the last couple of years, more than that even. That like I'm kind of reluctant to like piss on the barbecue but like yeah it's a significant issue yeah. to be honest I don't think he had a great game he scored the winner and that's brilliant and I'm really happy for him um, but like he's really quite limited in possession I think it showed in this match yeah. as well as others I mean I'm that my take from all of this is quite interesting that we just bought the wrong did we buy the wrong fullback from Barcelona it's also a bit funny that this one doesn't work let's just go back to Barcelona buy another one of their fullbacks <laughs> but it was it was strange of Emerson it was it was almost like you're you're playing a game at Power League and you don't know you're playing against an opposition in one of these kind of leagues and you turn up and there's one of their guys is wearing Reebok classics and a, and a rugby top and you just <laughs> let them have the ball and that was basically what Watford did to us they just packed their, they just doubled up on everybody and just filled all the spaces but let Emerson have the ball and unfortunately for him he, you know, he didn't have a great game but like you said when your job is just to keep swinging the ball in for a cross it's very unlikely that's going to result in a goal and I did have a strange feeling that um, had that been Aurier in those positions would we have done better and it's it's weird to think maybe that. I think yeah. so but I also think that like he would have put in much less good performances than mm. Emerson like in earlier matches. in the season yeah. when we when we have to build up play, when we have to defend back and forth, all that yeah. kind of yeah. stuff. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I like Emerson. I think I think what he lacks in the final third, he gives us so much more defensively Everyone and running else. back. And mm-hmm. yeah. upgrading him will be difficult. So I think what we should do is like you said, just perhaps go for a wing back who gives us something different that we can use in certain in certain games like that. Um, I, I've I've seen down the running order about Adama Traore at right wing back. We'll get into that, but yeah, I'm, that just doesn't make that doesn't make me feel very confident. And I think I think I just want to touch on Davinson because I'm a big supporter of Big Dave, and he's not making mistakes. 
we know that he's he's flawed in possession of the ball and long term that's not going to help us and that's why Romero is the better right uh, sided centre back of the three but I think I think he deserves praise for how he's performed against uh, Liverpool how he played against Watford even Southampton he was fine he's cut out his errors he's not making any mistakes he's not getting bullied and he's doing okay and he's popped up with a couple of important goals and long may it continue he's not our future but I think now these performances now suddenly we might be able to sell him for quite a bit of money and that's good yeah I would agree with that I liked this from um, Martin Smith who said with yesterday's last minute winner I've been thinking about goal celebrations when sat comfortably on your couch is this true Bardi passionate leaps off the couch high fives everyone runs around the living room fist pumping occasionally breaks a lamp Windy a hearty fist pump but remains seated if you're in the next room you can hear get in Nathan stands up and golf claps, then rewinds the previous 90 seconds of play, whips out the notebook and counts the amount of passes that break a line leading to the chance. Very neatly done, Martin. Um, you're not too far off with me, to be honest. I, I, did lo- I did lose it a little bit when the goal finally went in against Watford because we'd been waiting so long. But yeah, it was much more than a, a sort of throaty yell and a get in. I can imagine like a Tim Hemman fist bump from you, Wendy. <laughs> Don't compare me to him. He's, do you know, he's, um, he's, 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 he's sort of on the, the anti-vaxxer list. I don't know if he's oh. full anti-vax, but he's definitely one of the God. like protester types. Really? I didn't expect that from him. So yeah. he's finally showing, well, at least he's showing some character because most of his life he's been very vanilla. So, uh, apart from the time, everyone seems to forget that when he smacked a ball at a ball girl. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Jesus. Yeah. Before he became like big, before he hit, hit a couple of semi-finals, and Sue Barker and all them lot just forgot about it. Yeah. Had it been someone else, it would have kept being brought up. So I'm here today to to out Tim Hemman for bury being him. a nasty, nasty anti-vaxxer. It's absolutely bury him. Actually, it just reminds me. Uh, I, I looked at um, Wayne Burnett's Twitter feed earlier, who's our under twenty three manager, and I saw he's retweeting Adam Brooks, the um, mm. the Bellend publican Spurs fan, who's like grifted to 200k followers <laughs> very disappointing from a, a spurs coach. i mean it was about like masked in schools as well so oh my god it was just upsetting to see that and i'm surprised that spurs haven't made take it down to be honest before we move on i just want to make it very clear i've never golf clapped in my life <laughs> <laughs> what is a golf clap is it- it's like a very gentle polite directional patting of hands yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's softer than a like a, a tennis clap, I guess. Yeah, I would yeah, say so. Yeah, yeah. it's mm. yeah more delicate. It's <laughs> yeah. Tory behaviour, <laughs> proper Tory. Uh, let's let's dig in a little bit more around this performance, and and we can bring in Southampton as well. So the silly man says Kane has regained some of his previous form, and Lucas has looked better than ever as well. Son is always great, but looks exhausted. However, one thing I've noticed from our team recently is lack of movement in the box as well as a lack of runs in behind. For example, while many have criticised Real's crossing against Watford, I thought the issue was more the lack of certain kinds of attacking movement, coupled with Watford packing the box. I've always been critical of Lucas's off-the-ball movement, and Kane prefers to drop deep. Son does a, a lot of great running, but he often seems the only one. Movement used to be Delhi's forte, and I think he makes the team better when he's allowed freedom to roam off the ball, it opens space for others, and it allows him to crowd the box. But for one reason or another, he doesn't seem in Conte's plans. Do you agree lack of movement in behind and around the box is an issue? And if so, is this down to the individual players, or is it simply instruction? What could be done to remedy this? Automations, player acquisitions, etc.? I mean, it's kind of like what I was talking about before. It's like it's it's really hard. Like there is no in behind to run into in that box. Like the the distance between the deepest centre back yep. and the goalkeeper is is a few yards, and it's difficult. Not to say that it couldn't be improved, in, or individual players couldn't have taken it upon themselves to be a bit more inventive with their own movement. But it's mm. it's like you you have to generate a sprint from a standing start, and there's only really so many times you could do that before you've like you you're pulling a hamstring. Yeah. Right? It's difficult. It's difficult to like gamble on where you think the ball is going to be early or where you think the space could be and 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 do that again and again and again and then you look up and and Royale has like failed to get the cross off because he's been closed down or whatever and I know it's difficult it's, which again is not to say like look at look at you know Liverpool trying Alexander Arnold they trust him they know he's going to deliver the ball into a certain area they make the run um things work out better there um but it's difficult and again at the end of the match when there's space to attack Kane makes that run is first to the ball, receives it, puts it on target, almost two on target for anything. Um, so 
Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of really difficult to to generate movement in that situation. In terms of Delhi, like yeah, maybe Delhi would be inventive enough to make sort of more lateral movement. If you go from far to near, as Roya has the ball, if you go from near to far um, and see more of that because typically players will sort of largely stay within their zone. They they don't want to encro- like Sun doesn't want to encroach on Kane's space. Kane doesn't want to encroach on Lucas's space and double up and become like easy to defend. But sometimes that doubling up can be useful, and, and maybe that's something that, that Delhi would would be sort of a bit more inventive with but not necessarily if not if he's instructed not to or not if he gets dropped if he does something like that mm. so it's difficult um definitely not a good match for lucas this one because there's no there's no room to run basically turn, yeah. um and so he's being asked to do things that he's just not that good at uh, and i think in hindsight maybe conte would see that and perhaps say okay well if if i'm going to come up against a team that does a similar job as Watford did perhaps Lucas isn't the right player but then you could say the same thing about son the difference with son is son's shooting from outside the box is spectacularly good yeah and i really felt like we could have shot a bit more from from the edges in this game uh um, and the other thing i would say is kane's movement in the penalty area is genuinely elite but i do think at the moment he's still in his head a little bit and we need him to um refine his confidence and rely on that muscle memory again because when Kane's good he's not thinking at all he, everything's on instinct and it comes and it flows and it just looks so natural to him because it is at the moment it definitely feels like he's waiting for another goal to come in go in and then I mean I, I just don't think we're seeing the absolute best version of Harry Kane right now but I do think it's coming so I, I think that will help too in the future I think a lot of this game would have been in the players' heads as well because it was very similar in parts of the Southampton match where Mm. we just couldn't break it down. Good point. The the longer it went on, what we needed to do is nice and early Kane to capitalise on the mistake. Because when you're when they're defending that deep, there's always going to be moments of confusion, and we didn't. Um, it's kind of funny. I probably would have taken Lucas off and maybe tried Bergwijn. I think Bergwijn is probably a little bit better in tight spaces. Definitely, I would have probably taken off Sun as well. But then Sun provided the assist for the for the free kick, and I'm not sure who else would have taken that free kick if Sun was off the pitch. So mm-hmm. probably would have hit the first man. So it's one of those games where I think a lot of this was fatigue, a lot of this was on the player's mind that it was very similar to South to Southampton, and I think the three points will be a huge lift for everybody and like the first thing my dad said to me when I saw him the next day was lucky and this whole kind of bullshit about lucky because you scored in the 95th minute doesn't could score a goal at any time of the day any time of the match it doesn't mean that it's more lucky scoring in the 95th than it is scoring in the 78th Mm -hmm. um and I, I still, I honestly believe that this this is a big result for Spurs. It, the way the table worked this week, the the fixtures and everything else, I I think this is a big win, and we'll look back at this as perhaps a key moment. Pochettino had key moments at, at Watford where we scraped the last minute winner. So it, I, I'm not down about this game. I know people will tend to because it's it's Watford and they've conceded so many goals, but a win is a win right now. In 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 the good sense, not in the kind of Jose Mourinho low block encounter. A win is a win kind of thing. <laughs> Hmm, yeah. Um, Arnie says, what's your view on kicking the ball out for an opponent, opponent who is apparently injured? For context, this happened in the Watford game where we had clear possession and Ben Davis kicked it out for one of their players. Yes, a few minutes later, one of our players went down, but Watford continued with their counterattack and almost scored. I noticed this too, actually. And it's something that has um, repeatedly reared its head. And the refereeing approach is very inconsistent, I find, on this. Um, there's like this sportsmanship thing going on where some teams will always stop and kick it out and others or some I guess it's done to individual players isn't it others mm. just won't um I think it was like Hoybier and Davis were were very keen to put the ball out for the Watford player it's a, it's a good thing to do if if you think the player's genuinely hurt but the problem is it invites problems because we know that players quite often feign injury for this exact reason so it's a it's a tricky one. Well, I mean, you have a situation here where it's like Spurs are putting the ball out for Watford, Watford aren't putting the ball out for Spurs, and I'm sure it's been the other way around before, and you get the same situation again and again. The problem is that it's on the players to make the decision, or it's on the individual teams, and then that's coming down. Like, we wouldn't have put the ball out under Mourinho. Maybe we do under Conte, maybe we do under Pochettino, or whatever. Mm. Um, the problem is that, like, it's 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 the player's decision at all. It needs to come from the referee. The referee has to make that decision. Yep. And then you can say, oh, ref, you're being easily fooled by these players. But then that becomes, that's a different and separate issue about, um, you know, trying to con the referee. It has to be there. There has to be an authority to decide when the when the ball is put out of play. You know, I, the, the problem is there. Yeah. Rather than the 
Yeah, it's very complicated. You're asking players to to decide whether or not an injury is serious, and they they're the last people that should mm. be deciding that. And it's also the referees having to decide in an instant whether or not um, the player is seriously injured. It's the, while this continues, while it's a, a successful way to stop a counter attack, this will continue to happen because it's just it's just what they do. It's it's a difficult place. It's on the referee really to decide whether or not the ball should, the play should be stopped. But then that's as I said, it's, that's its own complication. It, it's very difficult. You have got players who are out to to cause deceit and mm. um, and gain an advantage. Yeah, I think it's one where there's there's not really a straightforward answer, but the best answer is leaving it up to the referee to decide. And clearly there'll be instances where the referees missed something, missed a head injury. And, and if that happens and the players can see it and draw attention draw it to his attention, then that's that's great. Yeah, I remember when Mwamba went down in the, the cup game against Bolton. It was We were on the counter-attack, I think, when it happened. And it happened right in front of us. And the whole of the shelf was just like, no, no, no. He's, he's just gone down to, to, to stop the play. And obviously then that turns out to be something incredibly serious. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult mm. to to judge. I mean, it has to be left to the referee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kanagawa Ben says, "What's happened to Son's first touch?" And similarly, Paul Watson said, "Has Son become undroppable through reputation or lack of options, or am I expecting too much?" I think this comes back to to the point I've been making in the last few pods, where I just don't think he's that great at the the ball near part of the role. Frankly, I think he's really great at the the, the runs that he's being asked to make when he's not the ball near ten, but when he's the one that's expected to drop in, he's not as neat and tidy as you'd like. If you think about when Son was doing his best work under Mourinho, he's receiving the ball out wide in space. So uh, if you have a slightly less than perfect first touch, it doesn't matter quite so much because you've got more room to recover that. Uh, if you're taking that first touch in the middle of the midfield, then you've got to get it right. And it's it's really obvious if it's not. So the end of the game, we move like the last few minutes, we move to a four-two-three-one, a wonky four-two-three-one, yeah. where Davies tucks inside as a left back, and Son is out on the left touchline, and he has a couple of dangerous plays, and then he wins a free kick, and then he from that same side turns that free kick into a uh, an assist for Davinson. Um, so it's just about like, like obviously the, the system comes before Son mm-hmm. here, and the system is is you know we're now on an eight-game league lossless streak. So it's working. It's just not getting the best out of Sun. But I don't think that's turned to dropping him. I think that we just have to continue to. I mean, I again, like you think, move to a forty-three, forty-three-one, uh, move to a three-five-two where he plays up top and he spends more time in behind and less time coming towards the ball. Um, but I, again, even sticking with the three-four-three or whatever, I don't see terms for dropping him because it's not a reflection of his ability or his application or his threats in in because he's still getting those chances just fewer yeah um his numbers uh, his expected numbers are still really impressive well yeah yeah i just um i don't think it's like sun's playing badly i think it's just we're not it, the, the system doesn't maximize sun but yeah he's still obviously a brilliant player um lack of options i mean yeah we could we could bring bergwine's injured right now but we could bring we could see more of Bergwijn, more of Delhi, um, more of Hill, and a little less of Sun. I don't think that would be a big problem. But Sun's still like a locked-on first eleven player, unless he he would have to have a a pretty terrible, terrible run of months for that to not be the case. To be honest, yeah, agreed. Um, Buddy, you were quite optimistic earlier about the the Watford performance and the, the mm. fact that it could be a turning point. So we've got a couple of um, slightly less optimistic takes here. So RR10 <laughs> says. Have the last two performances, results and team selections, including subs, tempered any of the initial surge of optimism from the Conte appointment? There's been a lack of rotation, a lot of the Huibier skip pivots and a lack of Tongi enough for some worry. And similarly, Tim Ogin says, is my amateur eye missing something or can every lesser team just play us the 10 men Southampton way and park the bus, given our inability to move the ball fast and break teams down? If so, how do we fix it? Tactics or transfers? If not, what am I missing? I mean, first of all, Tim, that if you're if every team is going to turn up and play like Watford, it's a it's it's a very it's a very binary way of playing. That you you you're going to lose, you're going to draw the majority of the time, and you can't really can can you could like Barcelona for example, peak Barcelona teams would just try and pack the box, and they invariably they would lose because Tottenham because Barcelona had players that could do it in a system that could eventually break it down. And I do believe we have players that if we play Watford again, we win that game. We played Watford a hundred times, and we both play the same tactics. We will win that game nine. 98 times out of 100. We maybe draw a couple here or there. But we're not going to lose to Watford playing if they play like that. So I don't think teams will do that every time because the the chance of winning is pretty low. 
And it, it takes, you need a lot of luck and you need a lot of discipline to be able to carry it out for the entire match. And Watford didn't. They lost because they were unable to, to do anything and they invited pressure. So I don't think it's, a, it's just a question of just sitting 10 men behind the ball and hoping to beat us that way. It's, we won't see that very often, I'm, sh- I'm sure of it. And in terms of the initial surge of optimism, we're, we're still winning games. We're still improving. We're still learning a new system. Because there's a lack of Tangai, it's, it's, Conte doesn't want to play him. Just because he's not playing, the, the whole kind of pessimism about this is because he's not playing Delhi and he's not playing Tangay. But we're still getting results and we're playing the way he wants us and he kind of sees us going. That I'm not going to get depressed because we're not playing a player that we would like to see. So you said 98%, right? Mm. Uh, Understat has an expected <laughs> points model, right? And that uses a thing called the Markov chain, right? The Markov chain is where, yeah. uh, in this context, is where it looks at our shots, it looks at their shots, the expected goals, and it simulates that match a hundred or maybe a thousand times and then says, in these simulations, Spurs win this game 92% of the time. Oh, it's close. What and gives it Watford eight percent. Obviously, there's an overlap for draw there um, mm. of some percentage. But yeah, I I think that that kind of feels about right. What, like, what does it say for the Southampton yeah. game? Uh, okay, let me go back to that. Give me a second. I use something called the Bardian um, machine. <laughs> yeah, the Bardian the Bardian Bayesian. Yeah, nice. <laughs> the Bardian Hill. <laughs> the Bardian Hill. <laughs> oh, that's Palace. Uh, Southampton. That gives us a uh, 96% chance yeah, to beat Southampton. So. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, absolutely. So I, I would say I'm actually more optimistic now than I was at the start I, because it's it's happening and it's happening early. And there is such a thing as new manager bounce. So um, MZXCT said, why should we see this as any different than what happened at the start of last year with Jose? We're winning but not dominating games and the same problems, playmaking, creativity still persist. Why is everyone so optimistic? And I, I would just disagree with that on the basis of the mm. underlying numbers and the eye test, frankly. With with Jose Mourinho, it was clear that he found a way of playing which was working really well. But when you've only got one or two ways of getting the ball forward, they're quite easy to preempt and stop. I mean, yes, teams found it hard to do that initially because we were in that form, Kane and Sondra unplayable. But there comes a point where you work out you stop the pass into Ndombele or into Kane or whatever and, and therefore everything else falls down around it. Um, that's not happening with Conte. We've got... He's found different ways of playing already. We're moving the ball forward pretty effectively. The underlying numbers are excellent, really excellent. But also we're immediately solid defensively. Uh, I'm not sure that was true under Mourinho. I don't think he got the def- defence tightened up as quickly as this. Obviously, he did eventually because he played a, a very deep block and we essentially packed the box for for weeks on end without actually creating many chances ourselves. Ourselves, But um, this is different. I mean, I just think we look a genuinely good team and it's a compliment to Conte that, that teams like Watford at home are playing literally a 6-2-2. I mean, they, it moved to a 4-4-2 when they occasionally had the ball, but they were pretty much played six at the back. That should be seen as a huge compliment for what Conte's doing. And and you can say similar to Southampton, they did they did um obviously press come out pressing hard in the same way that Leeds did in the first half, but they quickly retreated once they, they lost their energy and obviously in Southampton's case they did lose a player as well. But yeah, I mean I I take this as a compliment. I think things are going really well. I'm very happy with how quickly the the, the sort of core players have picked up on the the style of play. Some people think that the lack of involvement, <coughs> excuse me, of the squad players is is a concern, and that we should be worried that we don't have any other options. I see it as opportunities for the future. They've not really had the chance yet to show that they can do what Conte asks, and hopefully, when they do get that chance, like Winks did against Liverpool, they'll put themselves in contention for for more regular first team slots. Perhaps not Tongi because. It doesn't sound great. The sort of noises around him don't sound great. I mean, but certainly if we Lucelso. were going to see him, we had to have seen him in this game, right? He had yeah. to have come on if he was in consideration. Sure. Like, this game was crying out for Ndombele. And there were, there were, we did just have a question about that, right? And do I feel like any less optimistic about Conte because of that? I mean, a, a couple of percentage points, maybe. It's like, it's annoying and it's a shame. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was positive about those kind of, of things. And also, like, um, so Chris Somersell made the point a few weeks ago on Straight to the Training Grounds that, like, 
but the best decision under Conte is to to build the team that Conte wants. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't include Tangi, then fair enough. But also at the same time, Conte is a is a two three year manager, and then what do we do after him? But I don't know. I'm not that worried about him. And I think that we bring in a good midfielder who is you know a bit more creative, a bit more of a ball progressor under Conte. I'm sure that like they're also going to be a worthwhile player yeah. later on. So yeah. I think it's a shame. I think Tangi's brilliant. I think Lascelles is brilliant. I think Delhi's brilliant. I think Bergvine's brilliant. Um, but I uh, I'm just not that worried. You know. Yeah, and I just don't think we need to be fatalist about it yet. Anyway, because. He's he's largely stuck to the same players because they're the ones who have kept this run going at the moment. Why, like he doesn't necessarily need to veer too far off that path. But our best performance was against Liverpool. Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? <laughs> That's the thing. I, but I, I really do believe. I, 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 so so I think we're going to struggle to sell Ndombele. I think his wages and his and the asking price we want for him will mean that he's kept at the club until the summer. And I don't think there's. I think it would be unlikely if he didn't play between now and summer if he were to stay at the club. And if he plays, then he has to take his chance. But that's absolutely a possible thing. And we've seen Conte doesn't just close the door on players. He did that's with Ericsson. True. So I I don't think all hope's lost. But if he does leave, then, you know, it's Conte's decision. And Conte's brilliant. So that's fine. Uh, he's a good player. He'll be a good player elsewhere. But we'll have other good players. We're We're in a good, strong position in terms of players we can recruit the amount of money we've got to spend I don't think we need to worry Kessier looks like someone we really want from from Milan he would be an excellent addition we've got Saar coming in next summer too I don't think we need to get overexcited about losing midfielders it's it's not the end of the world we can we can do you have any questions about Kessier I've been watching Kessier recently what's his creativity like uh, it's it's sort of okay. okay. He's, um, so his passing, he he wants to keep it on the ground. He wants to keep it short. He doesn't have a huge amount of guile on his passing. But he has sort of an ability to get into the right places and just play the neat, simple pass. Which you know sometimes that is to the right play in the right place. But like, I don't know. I don't know if if like if he'd played in this game instead of either Hoybier or Skip. I don't know if that makes us much more creative in this game. Like he's not going to be picking apart a packed defense. Um, but he's going to put up like a few chances. Um, would would, he, would know, he shoot yeah, from distance more? Uh, I don't think he's a, a huge shooter from distance. He's also um, not a very accurate shooter. I, I I said on Twitter that he has no weaknesses, no real weaknesses. And um, Milano Twitter like got on me to like how de- oh, wow. well mainly I criticised Tenali, and that also led to a subsection of you said Kessie has no weaknesses. You don't know anything about him, so I'm like, what weaknesses he has? And they're like, well, his finishing's not great, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what you'd expect for a player in that position, I guess. Sure. Yeah. He's a he's a very rounded player. He's 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 quite passive defensively. Uh again like likes to keep his 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 passing game pretty simple. He's he's um he's got very good press resistance, I think. Um but he's he's a box to box rounded midfielder who does a bit of everything. Skip had a good game, didn't he, against Watford? He did. I think um I I think now like if it comes to it, Skip is is well above Hjoibier for me in the pecking order. Uh, not that I'm against Joy Bear at all. I think, again, was absolutely fine against Watford. Would have wanted a little bit more creativity, but no issues at all. Um, but Skip, I think, is becoming a very fine player. There was a moment in the first half against Watford where... Um, was it the first half? I think, yeah, it was the first half against Watford where um, a pass comes into where Skip's moving to. Skip scans, takes the ball in the half turn and plays it first time to a play in front of him. And I was thinking, yeah, that's why I really, that's why I'm really into Skip. And the player he passes to does the exact same thing and passes it onto Sun. I'm like, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm preferring Skip to Hoybier. And then I looked back and I saw that the <laughs> second player he did that was Hoybier. And so maybe nice. I need to sort of address my, my biases there. <laughs> I think Skip um, could do scoring a couple of goals. Mm. I think Hoiberg has that kind of edge over him at the moment. Um, but I, th- I think long term, Skip is, Skip is miles better than the cement mixer. <laughs> <laughs> the, but the thing is that, like, we, we're in this ridiculous situation. They're both really good players. They are, yeah. Yeah. They're both yeah. first 11 quality players. They're not a great fit together, in That's my it. opinion. That's it. That's it. And especially yeah. in the system at the moment, I think. I think if you're going to play two in midfield in this way and have Lucas and Son 
you need someone to get the ball to Son and Lucas in a, mm. in a good state, and I don't think either of them are exceptional. I'd say I think they're both good, but not exceptional. But I think Skip is showing now that he's got a little bit more dynamism than Hubert, and he's certainly more nimble, which helps as well. So two defence first midfielders. Uh, Son, who doesn't want to come to receive mm-hmm. the ball, Lucas, who needs space to operate his game in, and a right wing back whose crossing is not that great, but we still broke down a parked bus despite all of those mm-hmm. personnel weaknesses. Yeah. I think mm. that, like, I think that we're we're good. I think we're in a good place, and you can see all of the places for upside, yeah, and places for improvement for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, got, I need to say that I say I complain about my wife, and I could. <laughs> I love her dearly. Okay. And I complain about Scheuberg. And perhaps I don't quite love him, but I still really like him. But me complaining about Scheuberg's weaknesses is, is not a thing. I don't, I don't seem to think that I hate him. I, I don't hate him. I just think he could be better and I want him to be better. And I'm sure he will be better. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're picking nits at this point. It's, you know, exactly. he's still a solid, a solid option. Still a solid <laughs> tool. Let's do Adama. Um, if quite quite a few questions about Adama, but let, I'll pick up two. So Mike Dav eighty four said, "Could Adama Traore be our answer at right wing back and be Victor Moses two point zero, or is it Tarek Lamptey time?" Uh, Legion said, "Traore, yes or no?" And Cole added to that specifically for twenty million. So this is the this is the latest rumor that Adama might be available for twenty million. Nathan, you are your your naked in a bath. Surrounded by baby oil, just oiling up every every part of your body. I think I think you're slightly overplaying my enthusiasm. I'm interested in Adama for twenty million because I think that there's like he poses some interesting questions. But I'm not I'm not I'm not completely like I've got some oil on me. Okay. I've stood too close to the pan and some oil has landed on me. I haven't coated myself nudes into a slug like creature. <laughs> he he I, the thing is it's like why do we want him what is he going to come and do right. is he just going to be another lucas then lucas is doing that you know if he if the idea is that you buy a dharma to come in and play right wing back that's an even bigger gamble that's an enormous gamble in my opinion because it's like he he has shown basically no sign of defensive awareness at all in my opinion so you're gambling on on Conte teaching him completely how to defend. And again, there are other options out there. I mentioned Dest, um, or or going back to even you think a, a more rounded. Uh, and then the attacking upside is like, okay, Adama is in Royale's position. Um, well, first of all, he crosses fewer times, I think, mm-hmm. and he looks to dribble his man more often, and he probably succeeds more often. And then he dribbles from a closer location or just loses the ball. And then there's sort of chaos there in the box as there's a loose ball. Um, he wins lots of corners. Is, he wins, lo- wins lots of corners because when he does cross, he tends to cross low and with power, a laces cross and stuff like that. Um, it's like he's not a great crosser. He's probably a better crosser than Royale, but like not that much better. And it's like Adama's re- ability is his like creating the opportunity to have space in the final third. And that obviously is not what we were lacking. Again and again, Royale had space in the final third. Is Adama going to do much better in those situations? I'm not absolutely convinced, but maybe. Again, it's just such a huge gamble. So at 20 million, I'm like, oh, uh, maybe. I'm like, I'm not going to be annoyed if we go through with it. But I also think that I would just like go for Masrawi or Lamptey or Riddle Baku or um, maybe Dest or, yeah. So the way I rationalized it earlier in the Discord was to say, okay, so 20 million sounds like a bargain. Uh, he's he's coming up to 26, give him a three-year contract. We're talking roughly um, a transfer fee, which goes down in the books as, as about 7 million a year. Or you buy Lamptey, who's 21, you put him on a five-year contract and you pay 40 million and that goes down in the books as 8 million a year. I mean, there's no com- com- there's no comparison between Lamptey, who plays regularly as an attacking fullback, has all the skill set and experience. Okay, th- there is definitely a concern about his hamstrings. He's had a serious hamstring injury, which has kept him out for a long time. But the, the upside of Lamptey is huge. It is huge. Whereas Adama, <laughs> you'd be converting an attacking midfielder to a right wing back, a position he has played, but very occasionally. A little bit. You know, it, we forget too that a lot of the 
play we've seen under Conte has been with a flat back five, which springs forward. So in this game, obviously Emerson is essentially playing as a wing forward, but in other games he's playing as a, as a right back, a traditional right back in a back five. Would you really want Dama Traore to be playing that role against Liverpool? I mean, okay, you could say, well, you wouldn't be setting Emerson, so you wouldn't play him in those games. But then what's the point? Like, you're not seeing all the benefits either, because the bit that Adama's good at is carrying the ball forward from deep positions and then creating space in the final third. So it just doesn't make any sense to me, either no, as a right wing back or as an attacking midfielder. It's ridiculous, just because he's fast. <laughs> we might as well go out and sign the, the Italian sprinter Marcel Jacobs. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that fits better. At least he's Italian. And play him at right wing back because he's fast. It's just, it's just, it's just nonsense. Um, I like Adama Choro, but I'd rather, I'd rather we put £20 million in a, in a high-interest account and then used it in, in a couple of years to buy someone better. But I was quite curious about um, Lamptey's... So because he's short, he has hamstring problems. Is that, is that something... Is that true, no, no, Dr. No, no, Dr. No, no, Nathan? No, no he, ha- he's, he has hamstring issues. The other consideration is that he's short. It's oh, not that he's okay. like more <laughs> tightly sprung. Because <laughs> like, he's trying to make up his lack of height by jumping, like springing and, and in doing so it really hurts his hamstrings and puts enormous strain on them well then yeah, phys- doctor. physiologically i was thinking michael owen had problems as well he was, <laughs> he was short maybe maybe taller people have longer hamstrings so they're maybe perhaps a bit more you know I'm, now i'm thinking of guitar strings like a bit more flexible rather than like a banjo string a higher pitch yeah higher, <laughs> more bass yeah, Lamptey's going to be so good. He really is going to be so good. I, I think um, it's the type of signing. I, I mean, I'm speculating. Ben White went for fifty million, so Brighton clearly have experience of receiving large transfer fees. But White was an England player at that point. Lamptey's not played. I don't think Lamptey's played for England. Does he? Maybe he's got one. I forget. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's got a cap. No, I don't think he has yet. Has he? So. Yeah, it just it's like a hundred other English right backs in front. Of right, him. right. So I mean, I just think it's such a it's a no brainer. Just please, Spurs, just for once, just put the money down on the obvious, the obvious signing who happens to be homegrown too, which is a a nice bonus. And then you play Lamptey and Emerson Royale both plenty, and Lamptey's hamstrings are protected from the rotate by the rotation because we've got two really good wing backs and then you know that's a strong set of wing backs on either side it's, it makes loads of sense to me um Opishoni says who do we realistically think will be moved on now that Conte has publicly stated he submitted his evaluations after two months and who might we also expect to see extended as a result of them so Bardi who who do you think um might go I mean it's difficult to do business in January, so I'm not going to assume that a whole bunch of players are going to leave now. But over the next two transfer windows, who do you think might leave? I mean, if I think if someone makes a substantial offer for Ndombele, he's he's sold. I think perhaps even if someone makes, if Newcastle come in for thirty million pounds for Delhi, I think perhaps we even sell Delhi. I and Lo Celso. I think that I don't think they're going to be forced out. But I do think Conte would consider selling them for the right amount of money if he could get that money back and then reinvest in areas that he thinks that we need it. So I, I think those three guys are probably for sale. Doherty as well, for sure. Nathan, anything, anyone you'd add? Mm, no, no. I, I, I think we'd offer, we'd listen to offers for Joe Roden and Jaffa Tanganga, if I'm honest. Okay, maybe. It sounds like Carter Vickers to Celtic might happen this window. They They sort of... They want to pay six million for him from um, reports. It's crazy that he's on our books still. It is. He's doing really well there, and I'm I'm very happy for him that he's found a, a home. I think there's a fee to be made for Tanganga, a, mm-hmm. a good homegrown Premier League capable centre back, defensive fullback. Yeah, I think that there's a good few teams in the league who should be interested. We should offer him to Brighton as a, as an exchange, <laughs> an exchange for Lamptey. I mean, I think Watford could do with him. I think Burnley could do with him. Um, yeah, there's quite a few teams. Norwich, there's a lot of teams that could do with him. Honestly, I think he would get into a good number of Premier League teams. He's a very capable centre-back slash right-back. I really like him. But yeah, I, I just think he's a fairly easy upgrade for us now. Um, same with Roden. Um, and Opashoni again, and actually Mason Meeks asked a very similar question. Do you see us tangibly strengthening for the here and now to solidify our top four aspirations? And do we need to, or will we mostly see Paratici cook up Bosman specials for the summer? Bardi, do you, do you have any hopes of sort of buying a here and now Premier League ready player or is that is that optimistic? I mean, I'd quite like it 
transfers are sexy, aren't they? So it'd be quite nice to see something. But I I probably think we'll sit tight unless something really happens or someone whose contract will expire, like Kessier, something like that. Um, I mean, they don't have Champions League anymore, Milan. Don't, they're not even in Europe anymore. So perhaps that could be something that works for us. But otherwise, I think we'll sit tight and see how it goes. I am concerned about a, a lack of rotation for Kane. Um, I just don't see Son or Bergwijn being able to fill that role should should Kane's ankles disappear sometime in the in the new early new year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has crossed my mind a few times as well. He's played a lot of football. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> we know he goes down with injuries, so this is a thing now. It's something you sort of have in the back of your mind. Well, God, what happened if what happens if Kane does get injured? What would we do? Um, and it would be a real challenge. Uh, Nathan, the other one that's cropped up is is the swap deal. So Spurs Yonta says thoughts on Kudasevsky and Lachelso swap. Uh, n- no, you don't like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel I I think that like so I I Kudasevsky is a, a good match for that inside forward role, right? He, he's really got the profile. Not, we talk about okay. Like, that's interesting. I was thinking you talk- might see him as a as a midfielder in a three five two. No, I don't think so. No, I, I see him as like so. We talk about like, um, like Lucas maybe not being great in behind, Son maybe not being great coming towards the ball. Kulusevski's good for both, I think. Um, so that would suit for him. But then Lacelso at the moment is just like an unknown in yeah. a way. Like we know his qualities as a player, but we don't know how well he suits the system. So I think that we should we should try him. I mean, obviously we have to wait for him to not be injured mm-hmm. um, and it to be, you know, in season and not international <laughs> period of time. Um, but I don't think that we should, I think that we should stick with him at least until he's had some training time, you know? Yeah. I think Conte is going to like him, you know, he's, he's a very yeah. intense player uh, and, and Conte seems to, given, given what he's, he's liked about Lucas, he seems to value intensity. Yeah. The only issue is his injury record, really. It's just, it's so unfortunate for him that he's just persistently injured. Can't string a run of games together. Um, do you know much about Kudasevsky, Bardi? He's an incredibly exciting player who did great things at Parma and it just hasn't really worked for him at Juve under Pirlo and now Allegri is, Allegri's out there destroying Chiesa as well. So he's just adding Kulusevsky to his to his um, list of body parts he's done. Um, I, I like it. I think it'd be great. I think he's a massive upgrade on Lucas. Um, I don't see him playing in the middle or out wide or anything else like that. I think I think he could work in a, in a forward free. And if we swap Lacelso for him, that'd be something I'd be willing to do. Okay. Um, this is from Dave Lefevre. Can we return Huibier for Walker Peters? And Terry of mm. Destiny said Nathan had a chart showing KWP as someone who might fit our needs. What are your thoughts on him and other players on the chart? Time and time again, Walker Peters shows up massively for any kind of like ball progression, uh, ball carrying, uh, access into the final third, passes into the box, all that kind of stuff. He's an outstand, um, but he still makes the same defensive errors for Southampton. Now he's getting, or he was getting regular football at right back. He's now been replaced by Livramento. Now he's getting game time on the left. But despite the runs of games, despite being a good system under a good manager, uh, despite everything he offers on the ball, he still makes those defensive mistakes, which I thought might iron out in his game with regular football or could have been ironed out this game with regular football earlier on. Um, but at this stage, it seems very unlikely that that, that side of his game would would be even doubt. So in hindsight, it's a really good swap. I wasn't that optimistic about it at the time, but I simultaneously underrated Hoiberg and overrated Kyle Walker-Peters, I think. Interesting. I mean, I, I see it a bit as, I guess what we discussed earlier, you know, he, he is better going forward than Emerson and slightly weaker defensively than Emerson. So he's quite a lot weaker roughly, defensively roughly. than Emerson right Fair, yeah. So, so there's not really a, a lot to gain either way. I do wish we'd kept him and stuck with him because I feel like if we'd started playing him earlier or sent him out on loan earlier, then we'd have a different player on our hands now, and maybe we'd have got more money for him. And I really like him as a player. The, the stuff that shows up in the data is stuff that he was always really good at in the youth teams. Like I mentioned several times that he's almost like a playmaker from right back in the under 18s reports I wrote at that time. So yeah. that makes complete sense to me. Um, good player, not the player to take us towards the title. Uh, happy for him that he's found a home. He's definitely suffering from Livermento being at Southampton at the moment because he's absolutely outstanding. So obviously has displaced Orca Peters. 
Um, this is from JT Coys, who says Brian Heal keep or sell. Uh, he's, he's had he's had one he's had one period with us. So I mean, selling seems mad. Like <laughs> I don't know why you'd sell. He only arrived in the summer, and it's January. I don't think you'd sell. But um, what do you think of Brian Heal so far, Barty? I mean, there's not much to say about his madness selling him already. I think he offers us something different. He's got he's got some nice feet. He's technically pretty decent. He's still a young man. Keep him. This I wouldn't sell him now unless stupid money comes in. But no one's going to pay stupid money for him. So keep him. He's a good alternative off the bench. And um, what I quite liked about him against Southampton is he he was willing to go inside or out. Which is which is an option for us. Um, even though he's very predominantly left-footed, obviously he, he's not scared of using his right, which is nice. Nathan, I am sort of wondering now whether we should have sent Brian Heal out on loan this season to uh, another Premier League club to sort of get him some more regular football because he he did play quite a bit in the Europa League at the start of the season and things have got a bit quiet. Europa League, Europa Conference League, I should say. Um, things have got a bit quiet for him. Obviously, that cameo where he came on at wing back was was interesting. I suspect we'll see him against Morecambe and perhaps a couple of the other games in um, January, since there are so many. But what are you thinking about him? I don't know. I, I've, at the time, I felt like he's a good young player. When I when I did my video on him, like he's a really good, a talented young player. But like, what do we want from him? What do we want from him now? And I evaluated him at the time with the idea that we would play um, like a defensive right back and he would play some right wing minutes. But I didn't think that suited him. And since then, things have only got worse in terms of he just doesn't fit what we're trying to do, what we're trying to play. Is he going to like replace Lucas? Okay, maybe he would be better receiving the ball sometimes, but he's never going to offer much going in behind. I don't think... Um, so you just have this talented player, a kind of like a Kyle Walker-Peters situation where it's like he's not going to get minutes for us. Um, so yeah, may, maybe alone. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird... Uh, I don't know, because like I've previously said just buy really good young players if they're available regardless of how well they suit you. And I think that this is like, this is why maybe that's <laughs> not that true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's a really awkward one. Yeah, maybe alone. Maybe alone at this stage, but... But the thing is that we're we're being linked with more players of his profile. Like we're linked with players of his profile every single winner forever. He's really good. He is. He's really talented. I I'm, I do think it's interesting that Conte has called on him before other more experienced players. Uh, yeah. And I think that shows that he does trust him and does like him. There's mm-hmm. something there to work with. Con- you know, Conte's not going to pick a younger player for no reason, is he? He's he's not that kind of manager. Uh, so I I definitely think there's a future for Heel in the squad I just don't know if it's the here and now um, I mean you're, you're right Wendy if Conte's picking him it's not because he's he's trying to stat pad numbers of giving youth players minutes or he's sending a message to his to the more established players on the bench he honestly believes that Hill gives us something and I think he Hill should get confidence from that mm. and I, I think that's why even the, the idea of sending him on loan or selling him right now is probably not a good one if Conte believes and trusts him then he's got um, we've got to have faith in him as well you mentioned earlier that Skip could do with a goal I feel um, Brian Hill mm. is another player just needs something to fly in and uh, and that'll be him away I, I'd love I'd love to see it I'd love him to sort of become a genuine option at the back end of the season it would be great I just I'm not 100% sure that's going to happen and, and it, on balance maybe a loan to I don't know Newcastle it might not be a bad idea Some, like somewhere where he's going to play every week they're just going to collect everybody. <laughs> Everyone's going to Newcastle. I, w- I would just like to see him play in the same way we have with Saar. And actually, I would not be against Saar going on loan to an- another Premier League club next year. I-, I think that's a completely viable strategy, loaning players out and then seeing... And I guess that's partly formed by how well Skip did in his season out on loan. But you know Chelsea do this really successfully that you know Gallagher he's on loan at Crystal Palace now is showing what a good player he is will he come back and become part of Chelsea's first team squad well that remains to be seen but at least he's going to be a definite option for them now mm. i quite like this strategy there's there's some young players in the championship i would be all over us signing and then loaning out like Ben Brereton Diaz is the the key one i think He's been absolutely prolific in the first half of the championship this season. He's clearly a very talented player. Um, sign him. Sign him and loan him out to a Premier League club and then see what happens in the future. It's kind of a low-risk transfer strategy, I think. He's not going to lose a huge amount of value and he could explode. You could create um, a situation where you've got a very valuable player on your hands. We missed the boat with Elise, who's at Palace now. He looks a supremely talented player. We missed the boat with Eze before. 
I'm very much in the kind of Nathan mode of thinking here. Just if there are good players available, go get them and then worry about what we do with them later. It's kind of immoral though, isn't it? <laughs> just <laughs> signing all the good players and then loading them all out. But it's what the others do. It's, it's what Chelsea do. Yeah. Chelsea mm. Juicy Sushi says, when will Nathan accept the Sanchez renaissance like he and Bardi do with the renaissance? Uh, and actually, I think maybe it's me who's slightly less accepting of the Sanchez renaissance. That seems a bit harsh on Nathan, perhaps. Maybe maybe Duncan thinks that, that Nathan is the one tweeting from the extra inch when 99% of the time that's me. Um, but yeah, Nathan, do, do you accept the Sanchez renaissance? I do not. Oh, fair enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I spoke on it earlier, but like, I don't know. He's like, I... Uh... He shows himself to be a capable defender now. I always kind of thought that he was, and I always thought he got a hard time over his defensive ability. He's capable, but like we can aspire to more than that, I think. We can aspire to a player who's good defensively, really good defensively, and good on the ball, and, and that's who like Romero is to come in. Um I don't know. I, I like again. I'm I'm really happy for him. I'm I'm good that his stock is up. Um, I think he makes himself a worthwhile squad player at this stage. But I, when Romero's fit, it's not it's not a question. It's not close. And I saw this on Reddit. There were people on Reddit saying, "When Romero is fit, does he come back in for Davinson? Because Davinson's playing really well. Davinson's playing well, but he's not. There's still there's still like the ball still slows down on his side of the mm-hmm. pitch, basically. Mm-hmm. I. I think we need to appreciate the fact that seven, eight months ago, Davinson was slipping over and smacking his face on the floor as Man City <laughs> ran past him. Sure. And the same way, the, the ball was always floating over Dyer's head and he had no idea what was happening behind him. So I think if we're going to praise Dyer for tightening up his game and improving his defensive, his defensive output, I think we also should accept the fact that Sanchez has really knuckled down and he's, he's playing very well. In his in his way, he's not a ball playing centre back. He he will never be that player. But I think right now he's doing he's doing great things there. He's not he's not making mistakes and he's he's popping up with the odd goal. I mean, he's not Ben Davies, who is just the greatest thing I've ever seen. I've, <laughs> I I say this every week, but he is he's amazing. He's truly truly transformed into a wonderful player who I wouldn't sell for sixty million pounds. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I like Ben Davies more than Harry Kane. And <laughs> I like Ben Davies more than most of our players. I like him more than most of my friends right now. I, I, I really like Ben Davies. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.